Lost World Minute, the Minute by Minute podcast for the 1997 sequel Jurassic Park, one minute time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And today we're here to discuss Minute 49, the Lost World. Dave, how's the week been? Uh, good, good. I've uh, enjoyed the last bit of summer before I go back to school. <laughs> for the last time. For the last, last semester time. of college. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've seen some photos too. You've been driving your new blue truck around. Yeah. Yeah, it, it drives all right. It's not a brand new truck, but it's sturdy and old, and she gets me around. <laughs> uh, that's the way. That's what you want them for. Yep. CQ, CQ, this is Engine Operations Harvest Leader to Harvest Base. Repeating, I'm calling for Engine Operations Harvest Leader, seeking Engine Harvest Base. Go ahead, Harvest Leader. We've been getting a bit of feedback this last week and a bit, and we just wanted to address some of it now. Um... Over on uh, Twitter, I do apologise if I pronounce this wrong. At uh, Rallon Free Untamed uh, wrote us a DM on Twitter saying that he uh, posted up a review for us. I assume on the uh, American iTunes Store. Um, I can't see that being over in Australia, but have asked for a screen cap. But thank you very much for that. Um, and he's saying he really enjoying the show, so it's good to hear that uh, people are liking it out there. Um, as we said last mm-hmm. week, the social media is growing quite nicely. So, um, yeah, yeah, we'd love to hear, love to hear more. And like Dave, we got a couple of questions on Instagram as well. Yes, we did uh, from a username Methwell. I'm sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly, but they're wondering about the uh, if the baby T-Rex from the Lost World is possibly the male T-Rex that we see in Jurassic Park Three. And I was also curious if we would ever see the Rex family again in future films. Yeah, I think it's it's one of the um, one of those big questions that always sort of floats around and comes up time and time again in the fandom in the community. Oh, definitely. Um, I think it's sort of, or well, my view, probably sparked out of people not wanting to see one of the adult adult Rexes killed by the Spinosaur. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, sort of, oh, well, the T-Rex wasn't old or um, wasn't experienced enough, and that's why it lost in that fight. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I do know that it's possibly not even a sub-adult in the first place because a lot of the um, it, a lot of the sizes for T-Rex really verge around the, early, the um, far 30s and early 40s in size. Mm-hmm. So... There's really nothing going for the uh, the baby T-Rex, or I mean, I'm sorry, the uh, sub-adult T-Rex being an actual sub-adult in the film itself. So I think it is a lighter green, it is a brighter green, but that may itself be individualism, maybe not exactly expressing a younger individual. So we yeah. really don't know. Yeah, yeah, and it's sort of... if. If you're going off movie timeline, it's it's three to four years after the events of the Lost World, so this that T Rex should be around the same age as what Rexy was in Jurassic Park and what the two adults were in the Lost World, um, mm-hmm. time wise. So it should be a fully grown adult. Now there's never been there's never been any confirmation of number species numbers or anything um, on Sauna. We the only sort of real little clue we get is that trespasser quote we mentioned a few minutes ago. Or, early on where uh, they said they had seven T-Rex um, yeah. on sauna but that can't be seen really as canon it's um, if there was something something 
telling on it, like half the cast still hanging off it or something, mm-hmm. um, it'd be a lot easier to to say yes or no, definitely. Yeah, well, the the male that we see in Dress Park 3, the script does describe it as a fully adult bull, but mm. it also uses... But the thing is, while it's a male, like the, like the infant T-Rex in The Lost World, it reuses the animatronic from the... They reuses the male animatronic from the Lost World. They just kind of gave it a tune-up and uh, fresh coat of paint for the uh, big fight. Yeah, yeah. And one of the other things that might be sort of um, confusing people as well is just how big that Spinosaur animatronic was they made, how much bigger than the T-Rex it was. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, for some reason, the ILM um, model, the little size chart that came with the DVD, it states it's 37 feet, which coincides with the length of the animatronics, the male and female animatronics that San Studios built for these movies, and we'll see in the next couple of minutes here. Okay, yep. But the animal, the actual animal the finished size would probably be closer to 40, 45 feet mm-hmm. if you finish the tail and all. Yep. No? So they only built, like, the first third of the tail and those animatronics. Didn't yeah. Didn't see any reason to stay any bigger. Yeah, yeah, unless there's going to be a scene with a tail. Well, even then, if there's going to include a tail scene, it, normally it's just the tail itself and the rest of the animal's off-screen mm-hmm. anyway. But, um, yeah, there's no no need whatsoever to have a the full-length tail on an animatronic yeah. unless you're doing full body. Because um, mm-hmm. you'd need the yeah, counterweights. And, <laughs> yeah. and they did most of the full body shots in the first Jurassic Park with CGI anyway, so yeah. they really didn't see a reason to do a full body any kind of full body stuff for the T-Rexes in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Let's say, however, that, um, that's to say, however, that Stan Winston Studios didn't build a full body. They built a, like, the back half of the tail section for the middle T-Rex for, you can spot it and when Roland has the T-Rex in the cage and we get an aerial view of it from above. You can mm-hmm. see the, there's like a prop tail that they, that Stan Winston Studios built. Yeah, you just can't see the middle bit. It's under a tarp. In the cage. Yeah. Yep. I'm sure that's because they they're probably hiding the rest of the animatronic out there, you know. Yeah. 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 And then the other sort of the other thing, just finish it up on the the T-Rex. Um, it's marketing or people in production stuff like that can say stuff at times that um, can be taken out of context or just doesn't doesn't uh, gel with previous canon at all like one of the obvious ones that's come up recently was uh marketing saying that the uh the spinosaur spine or skeleton in Jurassic world in main street was the actual animal from sauna um yeah that just doesn't gel at all no but but that does bring up a good point because in the jurassic park reunion video with um that stan uh, Stan school did for the Jurassic Park 20th anniversary, I think it was. It was a couple years back. I think it was the 20th anniversary. They uh, they were joking around and saying, um, they were joking around saying that the it, that the baby was the male from the third movie. Mm. And then they kind of just stopped laughing and then said, no, no, we really don't know. It's probably just a rogue male. That we it's probably not the the baby from the Lost World. They were so, but. A lot of people misheard what they actually said, and uh, Miss Quinn, they get misquoted on, on that a lot. Yeah, yeah, and that's 
especially something like that coming from Stan Winston Studios. Like, you'd think if they mm-hmm. knew, because um, they would have seen storyboards and everything and been there oh, during okay. production, so... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but no, as far as I'm concerned, no, it's not the same. Not the same, baby. No, um, no it can't be. Robert Burke said that the T-Rex was a rogue who would abandon its young at the earliest opportunity. I know I can prove otherwise. But uh, thank you very much for your question about that. We mm-hmm. uh, we're going to go live uh, this coming week with Listener Week. Um, We've got a heap of questions we're going to ask you on the social medias, and if there's anything you want to uh, send in to us as well, we're going to devote a full episode to it. So just another way we can sort of talk about the franchise and the movie itself without uh, looking at a specific minute. So mm-hmm. um, stay tuned to the social media about that. I'll get the website updated as well because it's fallen behind slightly. Just so uh, everyone can get involved. Dave, want to get into 49? Sure. Radio. As we entered minute 48 of the Lost World, Sarah and Nick were working on the baby T-Rex, trying to isolate the broken leg. As we start minute 49 of the Lost World, Ian's still trying to communicate with the boat, but not having much luck. At 48 minutes and 9 seconds, Kelly starts to back away from the baby T-Rex as its growls fill the air. and says other animals are going to hear this. At 48 minutes, 16 seconds, she goes to her father and tells Ian, I want to get out of here. I want to get somewhere safe. Somewhere high. At 48 minutes and 25 seconds, we cut to Eddie standing in the high hide without a clue of what's going on back at the trailers. He asks what's happening, but Ian tells him he'd be much better off not knowing. At 48 minutes and 33 seconds, a winch on the front of the M-Class Mercedes spools up and starts to lift the high hide into the air. At 48 minutes and 54 seconds, the high hide stops at the top of the trees. Ian asks Eddie what the frequency of the boat is. He says 15 trip 8, says there on the top of the paper. This ends minute 49 of Lost World. As we talked before um, about Ian's knowledge of Spanish, um, at the end of the 48 and going into this minute while Sarah's trying to set the broken leg, um, he's clear he's talking Spanish on the radio. I noticed. Um, yeah, a little bit. Um, it's mostly common phrases still, like "mas importantes." I mean, I can figure that out. <laughs> but it's uh, very or very important, you know. Yep. But then he then he goes into like "por favor" or something like that. Um, then he just in frustration quits and is like, "God <laughs> damn it, you bastard, <laughs> Carlos!" <laughs> yeah, you got him on the radio, Carlos. Come in, God damn it. Um. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of, again, another mix of sound here. We get a few, a lot of it in these few minutes. Um, just the radio and radio squawking or the baby squawking. Um, yeah. It almost sounds like a radio squawk, but it's it could be the baby as well. Um, I think it's a mixture. That's mm. what I always took it as. Yep. Because um, you kind of hear the radio going, and then you kind of hear the baby going, doing different noises in the background, you know? Yeah, and because he's sort of talking in the radio, come in, goddammit, it's sort of like he's losing the uh, losing whoever he was talking to through interference yeah. or something. Um, well, it might have been the storm interfering. That's a quite that's a distinct possibility. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. But we get uh, Kelly here starts to get upset. Uh, other yep. animals are going to hear this. 
There's sort of a couple mm-hmm. of shots earlier we didn't bring up too when she's sitting there, standing there watching the uh, baby squirm around the table and looks really uneasy. Um, yeah. About the whole situation. But uh, she's right, if the animal's making that much noise, I don't know how far that sound's going to travel, being inside the trailer and the rain in the jungle outside. Yeah. But still, you know. Mm. The trail's far enough to attract the, baby, the baby's parents. You know? Yeah, yep. Yeah, and whether that's sound or scent that drew them to the trailers. Um, yeah, that kind of comes up as a debate later in the movie. <laughs> yeah, so we'll get to that. Um, but she uh, wants to get out of there. She wants to get somewhere high. Um, and she's really selling the fear here um, mm-hmm. of wanting to get out of the trailers as well. Um, yeah. And we sort of haven't really discussed much previous about uh, where we would be in the novel either. Um same sort of thing where the baby's Rex is in, uh, baby Rex, the baby's legs injured and it's brought back to the trailers. Um, mm-hmm. It's more Doc, Doc Fawn, that's not really uh, keen on the idea. And, uh, yeah, and they're stretching this from the high hide a lot. Yeah. You get a lot of uh, incoming storm and stuff viewed from the high hide. And it really great, makes the person really theatrical and kind of spooky. Um, and I wouldn't say cinematography, but whatever, whatever the book version of cinematography is, tone or whatever, mm. I suppose you could call it, it makes for a really spooky tone. And so you get, uh, prior to this, we actually get to see the, um, we get to see one of Dodson's guys get attacked by velociraptors, and they just watch as uh, one of the raptors tear apart, I think it was Howard King, was yeah. the one that got paired by the long grass? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was him. Yeah. And so that's that's like the prelude attack before the main kind of a the trailer attack, you know? Yeah, a lot happens because they're, they're watching this attack happen in the long grass, um, possibly uh, inspired by what happens later on the film. But, um, well, it mm-hmm. leads to what happens later on the film, but... Um, so they can't do anything or intervene because they don't want the raptors on them as well. Um, yeah, and so they're watching this, and it's really all they get to see of it is through the lightning flashes. You know, mm. every time the lightning flashes, they see Howard King going further and further into long grass, and these torpedo shapes uh, following behind him and closing in until they hear a blood-curdling scream echo through across the island. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's really scary. It's a really scary and good part of the novel. Yeah. Yeah, and as you were saying before about sort of atmosphere and cinematography, I would just love to see like a nighttime shot far away with the moonlight and just have seen the trailers on a cliff with oh, uh, yeah, the light coming out the windows. Yeah. It look look fantastic. There is some sort of there's some uh, concept art out there, but it's it's mm-hmm. way too close. It needs to be further away. Um, yeah, true. That one uh, we get to that minute, but I do like that concept art. Yeah. Yeah, and we yeah because um, we, as I don't think we've said it before, but we get um, Dogson and his team on the island and not the hunters. Uh, yeah, they're there to steal actual eggs and not embryos this time. They want eggs and they mm-hmm. go into nests and steal, steal them. They got a little like an ultrasonic box that they use to uh, keep the animals or the parents at bay. And when they yeah. go in to uh, get one of the Rex eggs that. He twists his hips and the plug pulls out and it stops working and they uh, they get scared and run away, but not before uh, 
I think one of them steps on the uh, baby's leg and breaks it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what happens. They're in the they're in the nest actually. Um, actually stealing the eggs that haven't hashed yet, and one of the babies clamped on his boot, and I think as he yanks as he's yanking away and kicking it at it, he breaks the baby's leg, and that's when the sound box turns off, and they're like. Uh-oh. Crap in their pants. <laughs> yeah, and that's another great scene too. Just the T Rex, yeah. like it's written well too. Like he slowly mm-hmm. looks up and sees the T Rex just lower its head and open its jaws and bellow at him. And it's like, oh crap, it <laughs> just cuts away. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then same thing. Sort of the rec- the juveniles brought back to the uh, the trailers, and mm-hmm. um, we get what we about to get happen with our major major action scene <laughs> in the middle of the film. Yeah. Um, but we're not quite and, there yet. <laughs> yeah. I will say that this is this shots that we get right here in this minute are some great top shots of the baby and it's striping. Mm. And it just makes for like some really good um animatronic work right in this moment, you know? Yep. Yeah, Stan Winston are definitely top of the game. Yeah. For this. But yeah, Kelly wants to get out there, get something high, and uh, we come mm-hmm. to Eddie holding the rifle in the hide. What? What is it? What? <laughs> Information, please. What's happening? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's really left in the dark about this whole thing. Because yeah, Ian's, yeah. Ian's just, you'll be much better not knowing. And, uh, come on, take us up. Then <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I cut back to the trailer. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, before we get back to the trailer, um, the hide starts to rise up and... Going off the little screen anyway, there doesn't seem to be any trees or any large trees around it mm. um, for the high hide to be hanging from. So, or we don't want to get to see any from the opposite angle. So it's possibly it's a large redwood. Yeah. That we get to see. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And as we discussed in the when we were first introduced to the high hide, those redwoods can really rise above the rest of the cedar and smaller redwood trees in a way that you get this one tree that's way up uh, like a hundred feet higher than the rest of the canopy yeah yep yep but one thing here too is we get a um reuse of the video from before where the winch starts spalling up as well mm-hmm. pretty much exactly the same little snippet of video but uh no, as you said we cut back to the trailer um sarah wants to give it an antibiotic and get it out of there um, mm-hmm. well, i'm sure being as antiseptic as she wants it to, wants to be, getting rid of the baby T-Rex as fast as they can would probably be a monk, part of that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, Nick, Nick says whenever you're ready, he's fighting here, Dr. Quinn. Which, uh, yeah. I think it, it was already off the air by 97, wasn't it? it yeah, I think so. 94, 95, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, little... I've never actually seen the original series, but I've seen it playing on... The TV guide, and so I, but I mean, I've never clicked on it, you know? Yeah, 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 same here. I, I know it exists, but I haven't, never watched it. Um, but just a little reference there to date the film a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we, uh, then we cut back up to high hide in the top of the trees. Mm-hmm. Um, well, first, um, before oh. we do that, I just want to mention that when Nick is kind of swaying his arms with the animatronic here, that reminds me of um, the behind the scenes videos when Stan Winston is uh, directing the not directing the scene but directing the actors of how to handle the animatronic he says don't fight the animatronic because you'll break it he says um, 
he says to go out, move your arms as the animatronic moves, let the animatronic kind of control the scene. Yeah. You know? Which yeah. I thought was a really interesting way to put it. That the dinosaur, as far as Stan Winston is concerned, is controlling the scene here. Mm. And that kind of goes back into the whole theme of the movies itself, whereas humans aren't in control here. It's all the dinosaurs. It's all nature. It's The humans are just stuck at the mercy of nature here, you know? Yeah, no, good point. I just noticed, um, looking back at it, Sarah stuffed her her lucky pack kind of underneath the sinks there. So that's where that's where her lucky pack had been the whole time. Oh, okay. So it's it's set up there for later on when it uh, appears next to her. Yeah. Yep. Uh, very good. All right, and uh, we cut back to the high height as it reaches the, reaches the top of the trees. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see to- uh, the treetops next to them when yeah. they're swaying there. Yeah. You can see uh, some kind of, I can't tell if it's coniferous or deciduous, but you can see uh, a branch right next to them, branches next to them, and the trees in the background, which, of course, was a, was just a um, CGI backdrop that ILM inserted later. Yeah, yep. Yeah, and again, like we were talking earlier about the uh, the novels, just a nice bit of sort of like moonlight across the top of the mm-hmm. trees. Um, mm-hmm. It's stopped raining again, so it's uh, got a bit of a patch, clear patch in the storm. Um, but there's one little effect here I love when the winch actually stops and the hide stops so you get all the rain all the water droplets yeah. fall off the netting mm-hmm. um, and, and you can see that Eddie did in fact set up the video cameras on the high high he did have time to do that you can see the video cameras at four points along the tops of the along the underside of the roof yeah the high high yep yeah now I assume if they were on there would be a red light or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think he had time to plug them in yet or set up the video link or whatever. Yeah, I wonder if that's just a cable to run back to the trailers or if it'd be radio. Again, might be, it might be what that satellite dish is for. Yeah, that's possible. Or possibly he has a um, cord linked up to like a VCR in the in the back of the Mercedes or something. Oh, know? yeah, yep, yep. I imagine like a 100-foot cord would, be, would about do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and then it's sort of a shame because we never get any um, any dialogue or anything as to why why they've chose this spot for the high hide. Um, yeah. Where it just seems to be a lifeboat for the people, mm-hmm. like a safety thing, not an observation thing. Because here, yeah. in the middle of the forest, not really near the game trail. I don't know what they're expecting to see mm-hmm. or document yeah, from so it. Yeah, they would kind of be. Um... They're, the foliage and the treetops would kind of black out anything they'd be really be able to see, which is kind of the whole reason they're there in the first place. Yeah. And it's nice about in the novel is they do set it up at the edge of the game trail. They set it up in kind of looking overlooking these open plains where they can view the dinosaurs, view their interactions with each other, view their daily habits and stuff like that. Yeah, yet it's set back sort of at the edge of the foliage where there's some uh, poisonous plants that the herbivores won't come near. Yeah. Um, and it is mentioned in the earlier scripts um, that they're going to set it up next to the plant. So I'm, I can't. I'm pretty sure in the next minute, or the following minutes, Malcolm says that. Uh, yeah, before we hear the bell of the T Rex, that. Um, mm-hmm. Remember, Sarah said about these plants, the animals don't like them. But uh, we get to that in the next minute. Um, 
but yeah, as we end out here, uh, Malcolm Hark said he what the frequency of the boat is, and uh, fifteen trip eight says there on the top of the. <laughs> we just yeah, and then he looks at him and he's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then it makes you wonder where was that bit of paper before when he's looking in the book, unless he mm. tore unless he tore that page out of the book, um, and we didn't see it before. And it had a list on it or something, but he's looking at a piece of paper. Yeah, it looks like it's written down on. Yeah, just stuffed in his pocket. Yep, again wet, so it's they're yeah. both they're both absolutely soaked. Um, mm-hmm. Makes you wonder what the integrity of the paper is going to be like, <laughs> or, or if the ink hasn't <laughs> run. Just a pile of mush. Yeah, yep, yeah, but uh, not a lot, not a lot happening here. Um, Dave, anything else I- on? 49. No, I think we're good. Alright. Alright, guys. Let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website, thelostworldminute.com. You can email feedback to thelostworldminute at gmail.com. Facebook, The Lost World Minute. Twitter, at The Lost World Minute. And Instagram, The Lost World Minute. Easy to remember. Yeah, yeah, very easy to remember. (laughs) Uh, David, thank you for joining me for this recording. And uh, we'll be back. I've been Brad. I'm Dave. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Goodbye. Talk to you later. Bye. It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, life will find a way.